Good morning, this is Ben Payton, and welcome to the Joy of Discovery. Yes, every Wednesday morning we have a release. Actually, it's released at 3 a.m. so that when you get up on Wednesday morning, the Joy of Discovery podcast will be right there for you. When days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. These words reflect the simple faith of the songwriter. Here's the question, does Jesus really care? John chapter 11 presents the seventh and greatest sign miracle of Jesus, the resurrection of Lazarus. And through this miracle, we understand how Jesus cares. He cares for us in a way that shows divine timing and reveals the glory of God. Here's part one in a three-part series here on The Joy of Discovery, Does Jesus Care? Here's my proposition. It's on the notes there. Jesus cares in a way that shows divine timing and reveals the glory of God. The glory of God, what is that? That's a message in itself, but I need by way of comment to tell you that glory has to do with, with an uh, opinion. And Jesus performs these miracles and signs to help bring glory to God. In other words, to help shape your opinion about the fact of who he was and who he is and the fact that he's God. And so Jesus cares in a way that shows his divine timing. That's what we're going to talk about here in just a moment. And it does reveal the glory. I have six observations. Here's the first one. Jesus' friends can take their needs to him with a trusting simplicity. Isn't that wonderful? Have you ever gotten to the point to where you wanted to go and approach someone and you thought, I just don't know how to say it. I just don't know how to express it. And many times we are uh, so verbose in our expression that what, what we're trying to express to the individual kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But would you look at verse 6 or verse 3, excuse me, look, verse 3. Lord, the one you love is sick. Isn't that simple? That's one of the, the greatest things. We, we don't have to go into great detail. He knows what's wrong with us. And we can come to him with, with this kind of simplicity. Lord, the one you love is sick. First of all, I want you to know that God loves you. How do I know that? I know it because he sent his son Jesus to die for you. To die to pay sin's debt that whosoever, that's your name, Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you, and he loves me. Aren't you encouraged by that today? Man, I get holy goosebumps just thinking about that. When I get up in the morning and I feel a little bit like a sourpuss, kind of lethargic, just, oh, I'm going to make it through the day, and then all of a sudden he presents something before me that shows that he loves me. Man, I'm encouraged by that. It's good to know that God loves you. Now, I, I want you to know something else here in, in verse 3. Well, let's start and read the passage here. A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sisters Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. See that? 
Verse 3, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now I want you to note something here in verse 3. They did not tell him what, how, or when to respond. We have a tendency to have an agenda. All right, Lord, I am sick, and I want this done, and I want it done now. And I think that's one of the reasons so many people are discouraged when it comes to getting a specific touch from God. We must learn, as these sisters did, to come to the Lord and say, I'm sick. <laughs> Lord, the one you love is sick. He knows what you need, and he will attend to it. We've been assured by the Word of God that he hears our prayer and that he answers our prayer. And it's just the fact that you can come to someone. I know a, a while back I was uh, trying to get rid of one of these long-distance services, and boy, they were giving me a hassle. And I said, I want to speak to a supervisor. And they left the phone a little bit and came back and said, well, the supervisor's busy. I said, fine, I'll talk to another supervisor. I wanted to talk to someone who I knew had the authority and the ability to take care of my problem. And listen, I don't have to go through an operator running interference for me. I can get down on my knees and I can go directly to him through Jesus Christ. Lord, I am sick. And he knows I need a touch. Your servant that loves you, I have this difficulty. You know what it is. I have this relationship. You know what it is. That's what they did. And I like this. They didn't tell him what or how or when to respond. You see, he was aware of it. That's enough. And we're going to find out in a little bit how important this is. We've been taught by the media to be impatient. I even heard a Sunday school teacher a little earlier this morning talking about how impatient they were. Blamed it on her spouse. And uh, I thought to myself, uh, yeah, that's the sign of the times. But tribulation worketh patience. So she was upset with her spouse. I guess he'd caused her a lot of tribulation. And I'm married. I understand that. And you understand that. I don't want to mention any names, but the thing of it is we are an impatient society on the bigger sense. I mean, that's why fast food restaurants came along. Go to fast food, they're no longer fast food restaurants. Now you have to go and wait. There's so many people there, they can't, you can't get in and out. Now the fastest food in town is, yes, that's it. About two o'clock in the morning, Texas Tavern. They serve a thousand people, ten at a time. Amen. See, he's been there. And it's quick. The menu is simple. Bowl of chili, hamburger with. Boom, you've eaten it, you're in and out and up all night. But it's a blessing for you. It's a blessing for you. They didn't tell him what, how, or when to respond. If he was aware, it was enough. Now, here's what I want you to remember. Jesus friends can take their, what's the word? Needs to him with a trusting simplicity. I don't know about you, that's encouraging. Secondly, divine delays do not mean divine indifference. We stopped our reading at verse 3. Let's pick up at verse 4. When Jesus heard 
that, what did he hear? The sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said in verse 4, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. When the writer mentions a word or a derivative thereof twice in one sentence or even in the story, you know this is important. This is significant. This is for what did he say? This is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. He's interested in helping. What does it mean to bring glory? To signify, uh, to help specify, to help shape an opinion. He's interested in doing this to shape the opinion of those around him so that they'll understand that he is God and that he does have the power. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So in verse uh, number six, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. Now some people may say that's indifference. He says one thing and he does something else because see, we've been trained if somebody runs into our house. Well, let me tell you a, a story the way, and I think this represents the way life is here. We want I love my daughter Heidi. She was cheering in the yard and broke her arm. Ooh. It was bowed. I wanted it fixed and wanted it now. I did what you would do. I called 911. They didn't get there quick enough, so I put her in the car and left. And Barney Fife got on his cell phone and said, I'm bringing in a, 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 my daughter who's got a broken arm. 911 shows up and says, we're here. Josanne says, he's gone. They said, it's the first time in the history that, <laughs> that they didn't wait. But you see, we want control of the situation. We want to move on. I thought they didn't care because they didn't get there as soon as I called them. They're just down the street. And see, this could be perceived by the fact that they were indifferent. Because verse 6 says, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed around two more days. Oh, he's sick. Hey, okay. We're going to hang out here a couple more days and then we'll get to it. Jesus already had supernatural knowledge that uh, Lazarus was dead. Verses 11 and 14 tell us that. Just because he cared. Now see, this doesn't make sense. Just because he cared, he waited. You see, the language in the church doesn't make sense many times because it's not the way we've been taught to think. Just because he cared, he waited that all might see the greatest manifestation of his power and glory. Are you seeing by the context there that everything is for his benefit? You see, we're, more, we're worried about this circumstances, this situation, and because we haven't heard from God, we think he's indifferent. God cares. God cares. And he has perfect timing. This is difficult for us to accept. Divine timing, perfect timing. On three occasions, Jesus uh, refused to move immediately when those near or dear to him insisted that he take action. That's in John Two and John 7, and of course in this passage. And in each situation, he later did what they wanted 
but only on his own timing. God has a perfect timing. That's what this is about. He cares for you, and in this passage of Scripture, he's trying to communicate to you that there is a divine timing. He's right on time. In no instance does Jesus' delays mean indifference. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I'm not hearing from God. Doesn't show his indifference. He's heard your prayer. And on his divine timetable, he will meet that need. So Jesus' friends can take their needs, that's the first one, to him, with trusting simplicity. Secondly, divine delays do not mean, here's the word, indifference. He's not indifferent. Third observation, every move Jesus makes is measured by God's clock, not man's. These all sound like control issues, don't they? We want to set our own clocks. We want to be in control. Verse 9 we read, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble. Jesus indicated by these words an accurate awareness of God's timing in his life. He was moving by signals that the others could not receive. And sometimes that's the way it is in your life and my life. We're all at a different level in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we all move according to the timetable that he has according to us. You see, we want everybody to be like us, don't we? Why in the world don't they bring their pocketbooks to church? I bring my pocketbook to church. Why do they collar their hair? I wear mine natural. God gave me that hair. He's trying to take mine away. God gave me that hair and it should be natural. Why doesn't everybody come on Wednesday night? We want everybody to be like us. Why doesn't everybody dress like me? Well, I'd look funny in a dress. I might have to go join another denomination. Every believer, listen, has the capacity to move by God's special timing. Look at the scripture I put there in the notes. If you wait on him, Isaiah 30, 18. Blessed are all who wait for him. Why don't you do this and do it now? <laughs> because I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to him. To the best of my ability, I'm listening to him. And he tells me there is perfect timing, divine in nature, when we wait. I got amused when we had a church meeting a while back. I must have said 1,500 times, this is just a information gathering. And I ha I've had more than one person thought that, that we made decisions that night. We were just talking and listening and communicating, trying to find the hearts of the people, trying to see if God spoke through anybody. We're not in a hurry. I've learned when you get in a hurry, you make mistakes. Wait upon the Lord. 
Every move, this is third observation, Jesus makes is measured by God's clock. Now, if you believe that, you can see his caring for you and his preparation for you because he wants to use you in a special way. Fourth observation. Throughout this story, everything indicates the difference between divine and human. The word there is perspective. P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-E. Did I spell it right? They make fun of me on Wednesday night when I misspell words. But sometimes, sometimes I do that intentionally just to see if people are paying attention. Jesus does not view our situation as we view it. Jesus sees the big picture. He sees the whole enchilada, doesn't he? He sees what's going on. I think in my life, I can remember coming back to Roanoke, and I think it was in the fall of 79, 1979. Never thought I'd be back in Roanoke. There wasn't anything for me here. I worked in broadcasting all over the country. I was living in Chicago. I wanted to come home. God created the avenue for me to return. And I remember sitting at, at our table. We lived, uh, our, our, we had a little breakfast nook. Had one of those houses where you go in and go down or up, or was it this way? You call them split levels, splanchards, or what do you call those? Doesn't matter. I remember sitting there at the table with Josanne saying, I don't know why I'm in Roanoke. But I said, I guess in the course of time, God will reveal to me. Eight and a half years I had to sit at the feet of my father. And God had placed me right where I needed to be to receive his call. And I thought about that. You know, we might know that there's a call upon our lives and we can mess it up. But God can shape your life and direct your life according to his divine timetable and at the right time when he's ready. When he's ready, then he will say, this is it. Divine timing is important. I see it in my life. Now, this is eerie. I returned from Seattle, Washington. And then by way of Chicago... And when I came back to Roanoke, talking about the camp meeting a little earlier, one year dad put down here just a little thing, you couldn't hardly read it, Ben Payton, platform manager. I was the platform manager at camp meeting. What did it pay? Didn't pay anything. What did you do? I didn't do anything. I was the platform manager. No pay, no responsibility, but I was the platform manager. The following year, I got a promotion. I was the camp manager. Had the same responsibilities and the same pay, camp manager. The following year, I believe it was the general manager. That's pretty good. What were your responsibilities? The same as the platform manager. What was the pay? The same that I'd gotten the previous two years. The year before he died, this is eerie, he surprised me and he put my picture on the brochure and I was the vice president. And the next year I was the president. 
He'd gone home to be with the Lord. You, do you, you don't realize this, but it was at least two to three years before I would even talk about that. That seemed a little eerie to me. But when I read about the divine timing of God, my dad was preparing, introducing me little by little. So I didn't come from a, being a platform manager all the way up to the president. There was a period of time. God's got divine timing working in your life. I sat over here this morning and I started listing what I thought was candidates for Sunday school teachers. And God's working on some of you to be teachers. Maybe you're not even a member of this church, but he's working on you to be a teacher in this church. Wouldn't that be odd? God has a plan, divine plan, and he does. Why? Because he cares for you and he cares for me. Now we're talking about perspective. Throughout this story, everything indicates the difference between divine and human perspective. An opportunity, three observations under this, an opportunity for God's glory. That's what he had. Jesus saw the whole situation as an opportunity for God's glory while others saw only a sad story. Their brother's dead. You see that? Jesus saw opportunity in Judea while his disciples saw only danger. Let's read verse 8. The disciples said to him, well, he said in verse 7 to his disciples, let's go to Judea again, been there previously. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? You see, he saw opportunity in Judea. They saw danger. That's a contrast between divine and human. Jesus considered Lazarus asleep while the disciples understood only that he was kaput, dead, gone. So throughout this story, everything indicates the difference between divine and human. Lazarus is dead and Jesus is happy about it. <laughs> How would you feel if you came up to me and said in tears, and you said, you know, my mother or my father or my wife or someone close to me is dead. And I started saying, well, that's great. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, that's similar to what happened here. Lazarus is dead and Jesus rejoices. He sees a situation. He sees every situation. Listen to this. He sees your situation and my situation differently than we do. Do you get that? Jesus cares for you. And he has that kind of divine insight that we're unable to be privy to. Throughout John's gospel, Jesus lived and observed on a level his disciples never did understand. So I'm reading this one fellow's mind in the back. He said, well, if they live close to him, they don't understand him. How are we going to understand him? We live in a different day and age. We have the Holy Spirit who is our teacher, who Bible says can teach us all things. Fifth observation. We need to trust that Jesus sees our situation better and more clearly than we do. Let me read on here. Let's pick up our reading at uh, verse 11. Well, let's go back to verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. 
But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not, what does that say there? It doesn't say on him, it says in him. Man, when you've got the light of Christ in you, you walk as if it's day. And you're not going to stumble because you have the Holy Spirit. You might stump your toe. You might say, oh, ouch. But you're not going to stumble. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them, Lazarus is dead. Don't misunderstand me. You know, I want, I want, I want to be direct in the language here. Get this, guys. He's dead. He's not breathing. He's in a grave. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. We need to trust that Jesus sees our situation better and more clearly than we do. They saw him as dead. He knew the truth. We can get so burdened down and so covered up with our situations that we, it's impossible for us to see the truth. But yet he sees. And he cares for you. And he is there for you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will provide you a way of escape. I've sent you the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to lead you into all truth. I mean, you could just go on and on and on. Regardless of how dim the situation is, Jesus cares for you. And we need to trust and understand that he sees our situation better and more clearly than we do. Now, that ought to be a good place for thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad he does. The loyalty of Thomas in this regard was admirable in verse 16. Although he didn't understand how or why Jesus was moving, he intended to be loyal. Look at verse 16. Thomas, who's called the twin, said to the, his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. He didn't have a clue what Jesus was doing, but yet... Wouldn't you like to have a hundred of Thomases? I'm going to be faithful and loyal because I love him. Now, we could make a point there. We can love him and follow him even if we're not totally on track. We're still, God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of us. Now, here's your part in the message. Consider your own difficulties and challenges. You may just want to... I'm not going to see it. You don't have to show it to anybody, but it might be good just to jot it down. What's your own difficulties? And what are some of your challenges in your life right now? In what way could Jesus see these differently than you see them? Remember, he looks for opportunities to reveal the glory of God in the maximum way through your life. Whatever your difficulties and challenges, God wants to get in the middle of that through his divine timing, because he cares for you, and he wants to use that as a maximum way to bring glory to God. 
Does that make sense? Do you get that? Your trials, your tribulations, your difficulties, get close to him. And he can bring glory. Read that scripture there in the bulletin, 1 Peter 5, 7, and I printed it in the New Living Translation because I thought this was good. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about what happens to you. I don't care how long my children have been away from home. When Heidi and Matt and Allison come to see me from Maryland, I care about them. And when they get in their car and they start out on that driveway, I, uh, I have concerns about them because I care for them. And I pray that God will place them beneath the blood of Jesus for his protection. And then I rest in that. I rest in that. There's safety beneath the blood of Jesus. Whenever any of my grandchildren, I see Heather or Blair's going to do one of his projects, I care for him. I have concerns for him. But I am to give all of my worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. I've been sent here today by our Heavenly Father to tell you that God cares for you. You heard the words of the song, when days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Amen. Jesus cares in a way that shows his divine timing and reveals his glory. And that's what he wants to do in your life. He wants to show you his divine timing and through your circumstances bring glory to God. And let's be encouraged today because God cares for me and he cares for you. Join us next Wednesday for the release of part two of the sermon series, Does Jesus Care? Until then, this has been Peyton encouraging you to keep it real. <laughs>